Observers say her future is bright. You're here to tell us more about it, Laura Curran. Now here's Laura Curran. Welcome back, everyone, to Cut to the Chase. Uh, please call me. I see we got Chris and Tony on the line. I want to talk to you in a little bit. Call 800-848-WABC. We'll get to your calls, 848-9222. Okay, big topic this week has been Hunter Biden. People have very strong feelings about this. I want to have a dispassionate, if possible, conversation about this whole case. And who better than someone who has been head of the criminal division of the Department of Justice, a former assistant U.S. attorney who has put gang members, drug lords and cop killers behind bars, who has spent the majority of her career handling federal criminal cases, both as a prosecutor and as a defense attorney. So welcome to Cut to the Chase, Leslie Caldwell. Hey, Laura, thanks for having me. You got it. Okay, so one thing we're hearing, and I, I really don't want to make, I'm, I did read the Hunter book, Hunter t- laptop book, Laptop from Hell by Miranda Devine. I thought it was fascinating. It was a really good read. I thought there was a lot there. I think it's interesting that mm-hmm. none of it's really been denied. So there's all that. However, what I want to talk about with you, Leslie, uh, drawing on your experience is what actually happens in the DOJ. So we're hearing a lot of talk from people who uh, don't like the Bidens and want to see Biden gone, saying it's a two-tiered system. This is a sweetheart deal. This is a slap on the wrist, the the weaponized DOJ. We've heard these phrases over and over and over. But as someone who actually ran the criminal division at the U.S. Department of Justice, how much does politics and the sway of elected officials matter in cases how cases are investigated, and how charges are brought. So I would say that it matters little, if at all. Mm -hmm. Um, I used to say when I worked at the Justice Department that I wished sometimes that our meetings at the level of the attorney general and and other high-up levels could be open to the public so that people could see the kind of deliberations and careful consideration that actually goes on. Mm. Um, And I think that's how it should be, and I think that's – from from everything that I've seen, it seems like that's how it's working in this instance as well. Interesting. So when you hear these charges with your knowledge, with your experience, that this is a sweetheart deal, it's a slap on the wrist. Uh, do you what do you does it want make you want to take tear your hair out and say, hey, no, this is not actually how it happens. So these charges are. um First of all, I I was a prosecutor for almost 20 years in various U.S. attorneys offices in Maine justice. And and you're not a part. Just so so our listeners know, you are not a partisan person. I mean, you've worked for all different kinds of administrations. Yeah, exactly. Yes, I've I've served multiple presidents, including Republicans and Democrats. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, you know, in my tenure as a prosecutor or a defense lawyer, honestly, I I could probably count, I could count on less than one hand the number of times there's been a prosecution brought for somebody for essentially lying to, lying on a form to get a firearm, um, especially lying about something like drug, drug use and drug addiction. And the tax case itself is a very routine way to handle similar fact patterns in other tax cases, not involving people named Biden. Hmm. You know, I was talking about AI in politics in the segment before this, and 
I was, I, I think, you know, th- trust is a very big theme for me in general, especially when it comes to politics. 20% of Americans say they have trust in government officials to do what is right almost always or most of the time. So basically 20% of Americans don't trust, do, do trust politicians most of the time. It's a near record low, according to Pew Research. So I think in a very highly charged political atmosphere that we're in now, and you look at the timing where the Hunter announcement comes exactly a week after Trump pleaded not guilty to his 37 felony charges, it, uh, you know, of course, it's easy to spin the narrative that this is completely unfair and you compare the two and they're they're punishing one because he's a Republican, helping the other because he's a Biden but I have to imagine when you're a professional prosecutor and you're working hard on these cases that that's got to be frustrating. But there's only so much you can say. It's not like you have PR people getting you out there and helping you spin. You kind of have to almost rely on other politicians to do that or other pundits to do that. Have you I mean, you don't have to give me the specifics, but have you ever been in a situation similar to this where you feel like the truth isn't coming out and it's incredibly frustrating? So I think in any high-profile case, um, and I wouldn't necessarily – this is obviously high-profile because of who the defendant is, but otherwise it's a relatively mundane criminal prosecution Mm -hmm. um, of relatively mundane conduct in the grand scheme of what you see as a federal criminal prosecutor. Um, It can be extremely frustrating, but you can't allow yourself to be driven by people's reactions or people's misinterpretations or interpretations of – of what's really happening. You have to be driven by the evidence, driven by the facts, and driven by the law. Yeah. And it appears from everything that I've seen, at least relating to this case, and of course I have no inside information, that it was handled in, in, in an appropriate way with the holdover U.S. attorney, with the U- attorney general not being involved and, and deferring to the U.S. attorney to make whatever decisions he thinks or thought were appropriate. And that appears to be what happened here. Yes, I'm speaking to Leslie Caldwell, former head of the criminal division of the U.S. DOJ, um, longtime prosecutor and defense attorney. I'm Laura Curran. You are listening to Cut to the Chase. So speaking of Merrick Garland, this is a very interesting element of the case. Uh, so the Delaware U.S. attorney who prosecu- is prosecuted this is named David Weiss. He was Trump appointed and Merrick Garland it sounds to me like just to be very careful and not say, you know, that this is political, kept him on when usually U.S. attorneys are replaced with a new administration of a different party. That's just what happens. But as an exception, this guy was kept on and has told lawmakers in Congress that he was given, yes, I, David Weiss, am telling lawmakers that you're you're given ultimate authority over the case. I have an ultimate authority over the case, including when and where to bring charges, what I have wide open jurisdiction. He said this. He was an accountant. Oh, who's that? Someone's talking. Leslie, are you there? I don't know. How are you doing, Lauren? I'm great. Who's this? Okay, he's gone. Leslie, are you there? I am here, yes. All right, yeah. Um, so, so David Weiss has said, yes, I've had freedom to do this as I want, where I want, how I want, but there's something kind of in the weeds that happened. Um, and I wanted to get your take on this. So house Republicans in the ways and in the ways and means committee said that two IRS agents told them that DOJ officials prevented Weiss 
from bringing cases against Hunter Biden in D.C. and in California. Now, Weiss has said in the past, no, that never happened, blah, blah, blah. But he didn't comment on this specific thing after these allegations were made. What do you make of that? Because that seems like a little chink in the armor, a little way to like nip away at credibility in the case. And that, hey, yes, see, this is proof that it is political because these two IRS officials told us this. My understanding from what I've read in the media was that one IRS official was the case agent assigned to the case and another was his or her supervisor. Um, it's not at all unusual. And again, I don't know anything about the substance of what they're saying or, or the veracity, but it's not at all unusual when you're working on a case with an agent to have disagreements between the agents and the prosecutors about what the ultimate outcome of the case should be. Ah. You know, agents are understandably tend to be partisan in favor of their cases. Right. And, and that's natural. Um, so it's hard to tell what this really amounts to, but it's certainly not unheard of for an agent to disagree with a prosecutor's charging decision at one level or another. Yeah. So a lot of people are saying, okay, this is done. This is over. He just got the slap on the wrist. This is all that's going to happen. But actually there's more that's going to happen. Uh, A judge has to make a decision on this and Hunter Biden potentially faces, uh, Problems and if if he reneges on the plea deal, i.e., if he uses drugs and or gets a gun, he could go to prison for ten years. He could have a huge fine. Um, and prosecutors are and and even if he doesn't renege on the deal, prosecutors aren't expected to recommend jail. But the judge has the final say. The max sentence could be twelve months in prison and a twenty five thousand dollar fine for the tax charge. Um, so you know it's not. It's not completely done yet. Do you have any predictions about what might what the judge might decide, or is that just too hard to guess right now? You know, I don't know the I don't know the, who the judge. I, I mean, I know the judge's name, but I don't know the judge. Yeah. So I can't really predict what this specific judge will do. But I can certainly tell you that in a misdemeanor tax case involving a first time offender, it would be very unusual for the person to be sent to jail, absent some other circumstances. And likewise. Um, Similarly, with the the firearms form charge, that also would be extremely unlikely to result in a jail term. Right. So, Leslie Caldwell, I want to thank you so much. You are just so listeners. I just want to get this in the listeners' minds that you are a nonpartisan. You've worked for Republican administrations, for Repu- uh, Re- Republican and Democratic administrations. You've been head of the criminal division in the Department of Justice. If there's one thing you want people to know about cases like this, what would it be? I think that um, people should understand that unlike some members of Congress who have motivations to and incentives to um, take very partisan positions, federal prosecutors, in my experience, don't don't operate that way. They don't think that way. They don't look at the evidence that way. They don't go looking for evidence to build a case that doesn't really exist. Likewise, when the case really does exist, they don't try to turn a blind eye to the facts. Um, And I think that would be something that people should understand. I realize there's been a huge decrease in the level of trust in government and public and law enforcement. Um, But I don't think that that's really merited in light of certainly my almost 40 years as a criminal lawyer on the both sides of the both sides of the fence. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that 
people should understand that individual line prosecutors at DOJ and even U.S. attorneys really are looking to do the right thing and to use use their roles to develop evidence and bring cases that should be brought and not bring cases that shouldn't be brought. And I think people don't really believe that or trust that, but I think that's that's the truth. Leslie Caldwell, I want to thank you so much. Head of former head of the criminal division, a 40 year career as prosecutor, defense attorney, worked for Republicans, Democrats, telling it like it is. So really appreciate your insights. Thanks so much for coming on Cut to the Chase. My pleasure, Laura. Thank you. All right. Take care. So I can see this is inspiring a lot of phone calls, which I'm very happy about because I want to talk to you. 800-848-WABC-848-9222. So after a quick break, we're going to speak about the commercial real estate situation here in New York City. It's not great, I'm sorry to say, but although not as bad as San Francisco, which is a total nightmare. Uh, So and then we're going to take all your calls. We got Mario. We got Chris. We got Pat, Anthony, Tony, George. I really can't wait to talk to you on Cut to the Chase after the break. 